Welcome in to the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Jared Mack on the show today. Happy Monday to you all, wherever you are listening to this show. Um, we are going to be diving into some discussion about the Oregon football program. And look, Jared, fall camp is right around the corner. Um, we don't have an exact date yet, but we do know the team needs to be in Eugene by the end of July, 30th and 31st. So if, if you're looking for a potential start date of when fall camp could be, pick a day in that first week of, of August, anywhere from the 1st to, to maybe that 7th. Uh, it's kind of shaping out to be like that for, for Oregon football. So that means fall camp discussion ratchets up. Media Day discussion ratchets up. As we're recording this, SEC Media Day is going on right now. The Big 12 had their had their uh, Media Day previously last week. And the Pac-12, you and I, plus Eric, uh, we will all be in Los Angeles next week for Pac-12 Media Day. There's going to be a lot to discuss off the field, where teams are going, who's playing who, and the ramifications of all of that. But on the field, there's plenty of discussions, too. And you brought up some four questions uh, looming or growing as fall camp approaches. We're going to discuss some of these, most notably the first one, um, quarterback competition. It was I, – I, I still think this is the storyline going into fall camp. Yeah, I think I think it is, too. And to, and to quickly touch on the, the Pac-12 media day thing, I, I – you know, it's no surprise that Pac-12 is is last of the yeah. Power Five conferences to do their media day. But uh, going forward, just with the quarterback competition controversy, however you want to say it, um, after spring camp, it certainly looked like Bo Nix was was playing the role of the starting quarterback. Um, he had he had the better spring game between him, Ty Thompson, and Jay Butterfield. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot to see at practice. Um, when we were there, they had the fastball situations where it was 11 on 11, but all three quarterbacks performed well during those situations. All three quarterbacks performed poorly during those situations. So there wasn't a lot to tell. Um, it was very clearly Bo Nix after the spring game though, who seemed to be just the, the better overall quarterback compared to Butterfield and Thompson. Um, but over the summer, obviously there is room for improvement for both. Well, for everybody, I think, even for Knicks, even though he is a senior. Um, and you heard about some of the room from improvement, but mostly about Ty Thompson, who was a, a camp counselor, a camp coordinator. I can't remember what the specific term is for the Manning Passing Academy. Um, I think it's down in, in, this, in Louisiana. Um, and there were a lot of good things about Ty Thompson, a lot of videos of him. Granted, this you know, may or may not mean anything, but just showing off his arm strength. Um, there weren't a lot of videos of like how you would look at Dante Moore with his Elite 11 stuff and seven on seven competitions. But um, there were just some, and there's some good stuff that was being said. 24 um, 7 Sports' Chris Hummer said that Ty Thompson was one of the, you know, one of the most physically impressive quarterbacks at the camp. Um, Said that uh, Hummer also said that he, that Thompson caught the eye of Cooper Manning, who said multiple times before Thompson's rotation, "quote Watch this kid throw." Um, look, I, I mean, he's a talented guy, and I think he definitely has a higher ceiling than than Butterfield and probably Nick's at this point because Nick's theoretically has already reached towards his ceiling. Um, 
I think it'll just be interesting to see if going to the passing academy um, has helped Thompson. It'll be interesting to see if Butterfield has made strides and improvements. And it'll be interesting if Knicks can keep that gap between the two of them and move forward as a starter as we head into the actual season. There's a lot to to see here. I think Bo is still obviously the the favorite, but like you said, Ty has has gone around the country. He's done some camps. Um, he's been in Eugene basically the entire summer and has been working hard. And what kind of battle can Ty give to Bo? And maybe the next question is what happens? Let's just assume. Bo is the starter. What happens after that? Is it Ty or does Jay Butterfield push his way up into the ranks and, and get into that number two spot? I think that's equally as interesting as one and two, because I I, I look at Ty and I look at Jay and I think they're two different quarterbacks. Um, I, I think they have some similarities, but they're also they've also got some things that make them completely different than the other. And this could be the precursor to kind of a, a, an odds on favorite to, you know, to be the favorite to win the job in 2023, whoever comes out of that battle as number two, if, if it is between those two guys. Um, and then, you know, we've obviously made a lot about Ty being the, the biggest challenger for, for Bo, but what does, Jay Butterfield have to say in that discussion. Can he, mm-hmm. I, I like Jay. I, I think Jay's for, for whatever reason has kind of gotten uh, under the radar from an Oregon fan perspective. I think he could be a very good quarterback if he was the number one guy, um, whether that's this year or down the road, but that's, you know, I, I think he's in the picture. And then for me, I think the biggest question, Jared, for me is, I was asked, is Oregon going to have a good quarterback this season? And I was, I flipped the question back and I was like, define good. Because I don't know if we would define Anthony Brown as a good quarterback last, you know, for what he did last season from a statistical standpoint. Um, But Oregon won 10 games. Oregon was in the conference championship game and they quite honestly had an opportunity to, get into the college football playoff at the end of November. Had they not crapped themselves and got blown out at Utah and then two weeks later did it again, but they were in the discussion at the end of November and they didn't have an elite quarterback running the show. My question then becomes, does can Bo Nix do anything or Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield, can they do anything that's better than what Anthony Brown did last year? Because if they can, I think the ceiling for this Oregon team can go way up just because quarterback play wasn't elite, but it also wasn't good last season. Yeah. I think they can all do a lot of things better than Anthony Brown. Um, If you look at Bo Nix, who's, you know, presumably the starter at this point, you know, barring any changes during fall camp, um, he's a much better deep ball thrower than Anthony Brown is. Um, I do think that Anthony Brown wasn't given the opportunities to show showcase that he's actually a, a decent deep ball thrower. And when yeah. he was at Boston College, that was actually probably his best trait was his ability to be in the RPO, fake the run, step back, and then take a shot downfield. Um, 
That never happened at Oregon until right. the Oklahoma game in the Alamo Bowl. Remember the Alamo? And you kind of saw that Anthony Brown had a had a good deep ball. However, during the season when Anthony Brown was was asked to throw the ball down the field, he just he really just couldn't. It wasn't an option. Defenses didn't have to respect it. Um, but again, as you saw in the spring game, um, all three of these guys can throw the ball downfield. Um, Ty Thompson has the best arm strength out of any of them by far. Bo Nick second, Jay Butterfield third. I think that's the real the, the biggest hindrance on Jay Butterfield. It's his inability to drive the ball downfield compared to his other two peers in the, in the same room. Um, I think that is a is a plus mark for this quarterback room compared to Anthony Brown. Um, I think they all have the ability to use their legs a little bit more than Anthony Brown. However, nobody's built like Brown was, and he was just kind of like a battering ram, almost a running back at quarterback yeah. with his size and his his physical stature. Um, but I think there are a lot of things that Brown did pretty well. Um, it's just hard to to kind of compare the two because you know, we're coming off of a full 11, 12 game season with Anthony Brown and we've got maybe two quarters worth of value from the spring game. Um, and I think a lot of people were, were rubbed the wrong way about how Anthony Brown was performing last season. Um, I'll chalk that up to some of Anthony Brown, but I also chalk some of that up to the offensive profile and the offensive play calling because it was significantly different than what you saw in the pandemic shortened season in 2020 and allowing Joe Moorhead to kind of do his thing as one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. Um, so, I mean, overall, I do think that Oregon will produce at least one good quarterback this season. Um, who it will be, I'm not sure, but I think it'll be a better quarterback uh, display on the field in 2022. Now, another question that's looming is who's playing where? And I, I think we've already seen, you know, on, on, the, on the story, we've already seen one adjustment to the roster. Um, Terrell Tillman, uh, an edge player last season, has moved over to tight end. Um, we know DJ Johnson during the spring moved from playing both ways to strictly defensive end or edge. Um, this is, to me, one of the biggest fallouts that we, you know, questions that we don't know yet from the end of spring football is how does this team adjust its lack of depth or too much depth? And, you know, mm -hmm. what guys get moved from a position to position? I think we're going to see a lot of this. I think there's going to be a lot of guys – a lot, I mean like a handful, which is quite a bit from a position. So a lot, yeah. Ch changing standpoint. I think I think we're going to see, you know, a handful of guys line up in different spots than what they did in 2021. Yeah, and in this article, which you can read on DuckTerritory.com, um, this was kind of a behind-the-scenes question that I always ask myself. Um, you know, in spring football, there's always a bunch of position changes. There's a lot of who is this person as well when you're just getting to know the rosters. Um, by this point, we'll be able to know the rosters and, and we'll have the only people who should be arriving are some of the, are the new freshmen or some of them. Maybe it may be a, uh, a walk on or two. But um, the, the second thing is looking at positional groups and seeing where people have or are going. Um, Someone like Triquas Bridges, who played all spring with the ones ones on safety. Um, someone like Jonathan Flo, who was recruited as a linebacker, played linebacker last season. 
He was with the defensive backs in the spring camp. Like you mentioned, Matt, Terrell Tillman has already moved to a tight end. Um, there are just a lot of options. I almost thought about calling this the DJ Johnson question. It's like, where the heck is this guy playing this season? Um, which, and I'm, I'm always very intrigued by this. I know Eric isn't here, but he can share my love for the, where is this guy playing this season? Uh, question that we always ask ourselves. Um, and we've heard a lot of talk about through the past two coaching staffs about, um, positional versatility and positional value. Um, this staff with Dan Lanning and company likes, likes to have a mold of an athlete, not necessarily a guy who's really good at one position, someone who could probably go play a couple other positions too. Um, I use Kamari Terrell as an example in my, in the article that he's a burner and he runs a sub 47 second 400. Um, he's one of the fastest players on the team, at least coming in as a true freshman. He's probably the fastest in the class. He can play quarterback. That's his list's position. I would just call him an athlete. You could probably line him up at wide receiver. You could probably line him up as a deep safety and let him play center field. Um, cornerback is probably his most natural position, but I really do think that he could probably play three positions on the field. And he's a guy who maybe I don't expect him to be a multi-position guy, but he's a guy I want to see where he officially is before you know labeling him as a corner, as a wide receiver, or as a safety. Um, I think there's a couple guys on the scene that can do that too. I also kind of wonder, like, Seven McGee. Yep. I know he was a receiver, but <clears> – excuse me. I know he, he was a receiver during spring ball. He was a running back during his freshman season. I don't necessarily think there's going to be a position change back to running back, but this is maybe bending the question here a little bit. The creativity of using your players – that you have mm-hmm. and, and getting, you know, how does seven, does, does seven McGee get carries? And I think he will. And how many per game will he get? Or how many, how many reps per game will he get at running back? I think that's one to watch. Um, you also, I, I think that edge position and that defensive end position could be one where we see a lot of movement too. Body types change. Right. Do they do they go up? Do they go down? Um, and then, like one lad, I'm really curious about is Triquez Bridges. Played corner when he showed up. Safety in the spring. Is is that is that done? Is that locked in him as a safety? And if and if it does, it, what's his position in, from a starting role at Oregon? I think Bridges is locked in as a safety. Okay. Um, I think he's probably going into fall camp. I think he's your number one safety. Um, he, he and Brian Addison were every every single time the number one or first team defense or whatever they wanted to call it were on the field. And I know the coaching staff said, oh, if you're watching that, you're not watching what's going on. Right. Well, we did a bit of both, or at least we tried to. Um, Brian Addison and Triquist Bridges were always the starting safeties are always the first safeties off the off the bench for 11 on 11 for fastball periods they were always the first safeties to take part in the hitting drills or whatever the case may be i think he's locked up at safety barring a cornerback injury and now that they have terrell the two jaleels still have avante dickerson still have darren barkins um I think with that youth, I don't think they're going to try to move Bridges over to cornerback again, because I think with his length and his versatility, his speed, 
Um, his ability to be a cover guy because he was a cornerback that lets him play um, some type of a boundary safety and lets Brian Addison play the center of the field because his speed and his length and his uh, athleticism are, are better suited for that. Um, I think it's a good combination. I think when you think about it, it actually does work out. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss some additions or some updates to the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. Oregon has five stars now committed in their class, multiple five stars. Coming up next here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Prem and Jared Mack here. Um, we're going through some questions of Oregon football looming before fall camp. Now we're going to look to the future of Oregon football. And recently, 24-7 Sports did an update to our own rankings. Um, this isn't the composite ranking, which is the average of all the industries that co- cover high, uh, high school football recruiting. Um, but it was nonetheless important for Oregon because 24 seven sports had just seven, five stars in the 2023 recruiting class before this update. They've now more than doubled that number. And a couple of Oregon commits have now received their five-star status. And most notably Dante Moore, he was a five-star composite recruit in 24 seven sports rankings. He was eighth in the country at the time. He was the highest rated non five-star player. He has jumped up to the number two overall spot in the rankings. He is a five-star and this is significant Jared, because if this holds for the rest of, of the, the rankings period for the 2023 class, he will tie Kayvon Thibodeau as being the highest rated player in the country to, in that particular class to sign with the Oregon Ducks. Kayvon Thibodeau was also second um, in the country. And I, I think, look, I'm, you and I, we don't have a, a say in these recruiting rankings, but just hearing everyone talk about Dante Moore and the fact that he's now number two, I think you could also argue he's got a chance to maybe become number one overall. Yeah, I mean, that's what Greg Biggins straight up said. Um, after the Elite 11 performance that Dante Moore put on where he was with you know the top other top 10 quarterbacks across the country, um, Biggins said that there's a real legitimate case for Dante Moore to be the number one player in the country. Um, he's not. He's the number two player in the country, according to the top 247, behind our good friend, Arch Manning. Uh, the Manning family legacy lives on and continues to haunt me to this very day. Um, but Dante Moore is certainly a quarterback who is capable at one point of potentially becoming the number one player in this class. Yeah, we don't have a say in the rankings. Um, so that the duck bump or the duck drop is not our doing. It's not, it's no one's doing. It's not a thing. It's just how it works. Uh, and Dante Moore has gotten quite a little little duck bump apparently uh, up to number two, and he's he's this he's this class's uh, cornerstone, the franchise guy. Go ahead, Matt. I gotta correct you here. Mm. We gotta get you with the lingo. I can't believe I know this, considering the age difference between you and I. <laughs> it's not the duck bump. It's the Mallard move. 
Mm, that's much better than the duck bump. The mallard the move. I like mallard that a lot. move. I've seen that on the board a couple of times. I've seen it on social media as well. So when a, a duck recruit gets a positive update, it is the mallard move from a ranking perspective? I could do that. So Dante Moore and his his mallard move up to number two overall. Um, like I was saying, he's your franchise guy. He's your cornerstone guy. Um, and I think the 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 recruiting will will start to follow in in his place. Um, which I guess if we could segue right into Oregon's now other five star recruit or commit at this point is Jurion Dickey, who is now 14th in the country according to the top two four seven uh, rankings overall. Dickey, I think it's 75th, 74th, something like that. Um, 76, excuse me. So that's a that's a significant gap between the top two four seven and the composite. Um, I would expect that gap to close, but we've had. Um, talent evaluators come on the Odds and Audible's podcast now for months saying that Jurion Dickey is probably a five-star and will probably end the season as a five-star. Well, he's continued to show out um, the overtime uh, seven-on-seven camp. I don't remember the specific name of it. Um, he really raised some eyebrows there. I know Greg Biggins came back and, again, was very, very high on Jurion Dickey. Um, and this proves it. Um, moving up to 14th in the country, the final five star so far in this class with these updated rankings, it's really impressive for Oregon. And if I'm not mistaken, that 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 score is both you know way higher than Troy Franklin, way higher than Dante Thornton in the 2021 class, where those guys were looked at as these these jewels of recruits, and still are, and still should be. Um, but Dickey is is really special. And for Oregon to have, who have jumped on him early and gotten and landing an early recruitment or commitment, excuse me, from Dickey, uh, that's going to pay off with massive dividends down the road for the Ducks. A quick look at the 24-7 sports team rankings. This isn't the composite. It's just our site's team rankings. There's a three-team race for the number one spot in the Pac-12 right now. Washington is the highest-rated Pac-12 school, which kind of surprised me at first, but then you look at it and realize that they've got seven more verbal commitments than the next two teams. So -hmm. they're just up ahead because of numbers. They only have four four four-stars. They have 14 three-star commits. They're 17th in the country. Um, USC is at 19th. They hold 11 verbal commitments, two five-star recruits, five five, three-stars, four four four-stars. Their average ranking per recruit is a 91.09. And then one spot behind them is the Oregon Ducks at number 20 in the country. They also have 11 commits. Two of those are five stars. Four of those are four stars, and five of them are five stars. And their individual ranking is a 90.82. So very a very thin margin between USC and Oregon for that second spot in the Pac-12. And quite honestly – if Oregon or USC were to land two more four-star recruits in the next couple of weeks, uh, they will probably leapfrog the Huskies for that number one spot. I have a hard time seeing uh, USC and Oregon staying behind the Huskies um, unless Washington all of a sudden starts landing four-star prospects. But nonetheless, it's a three-team race. And for Oregon, this is – we're kind of in a weird spot where we've never really seen this before. Four straight years of recruiting the Pac-12, number one. Oregon's going for number five, and it felt like it was going to need to 
see some things fall their way back in April, May for them to get yeah. in that number one position. And it now has, and we're back to square one where I, it feels like Oregon should probably could end up with the top class in the conference for a fifth year. If, if they continue to recruit the way they have the last few seasons. I, I think it'll be close. Um, I think Washington sits ahead right now, like you mentioned, Matt, because they got you know seven more players committed on their roster or on their uh, recruiting class for this season. Um, it should be neck and neck between USC and Oregon. Um, I think at this point, I would probably give the edge to USC. And again, everybody could call me a USC homer, whatever the case may be. Um, I just think that with, I just think that their recruiting is probably a little hotter than Oregon's right now. And that's not saying that in a negative way. Um, I still think this will be neck and neck. I think these classes could both be like top 10 or uh, top 12 right outside looking in. Um, And that wouldn't be a problem. I think that's happened in years past. Um, I think Oregon would be very happy with a top 12, top 10 class. I think everybody would be happy with the top 10, top 12 class. Um, I think the only issue for some would be that USC is in front of them. But we have seen in years past, I know this is a new coaching staff, blah, 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 different era in college football. We've seen in years past what USC has done with the top 10, top 12 recruiting class and what Oregon has has begun to do with their top 10 classes. Um, We'll see eventually. um, I think the higher of highs is on the Oregon side um, down the road with Dante Moore and Jurion Dickey in terms of their five stars compared to USC's with Zach Branch and Malachi Nelson. Um, I think that'll be a fun little little sub, like a, a side recruiting section where it's a quarterback and a wide receiver gets quarterback and a wide receiver. Um, I think they're both both teams are setting themselves up for future success. I think it should come down to the wire, and I think it'll be it'll be a fun race to follow. Quick updates to other players that saw rankings adjusted. Um, Caleb Presley, he had a slight drop. Um, he dropped six spots from 108 to 114. And while we don't have the official wording on that, I would just assume that's players moving up the rankings than him moving down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also saw Ashton Cozart. Uh, he saw something similar, 152. Um, in this ranking, he was previously 144. So again, I think that's one where just more players are moving up than necessarily him not impressing and moving down. So I wouldn't be worried about either of those two if you're a recruiting fan. And then Oregon's fifth guy in the top 247, or yeah, fifth guy in the top 247 is Cole Martin. And he saw a big drop. Um, He fell from 74th overall to 157th. Um, I'd be curious to see if we could talk with Gabe Brooks or um, one of the other guys in in the ranking room to discuss what happened there. And then lastly, uh, Cody DeCambra is checking in at 239th in the country. So um, Oregon has six players ranked inside the top 247. I think that's impressive. I think that's good to note. And you look at the names, they're still on the board. They got legit possibilities for some five stars. They got some legit possibilities for some top 100 guys. And like you said, the the ceiling is still very, very high for this class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is just an opportunity to let the coaching staff continue to go to work. 
Um, they've done an excellent job so far. It's still only July. I know that uh, the season feels like it's fast approaching, but technically it's still the summer. Um, these guys, this coaching staff can continue to, to try to get these guys to join the program. Um, and I think they'll do a great job. I don't think they've done anything in the past to let anybody kind of doubt what they can do on the recruiting spectrum. Um, and we're kind of waiting for Tosh Lupoy to land his first big fish too. Um, we've got Jurion Dickey, you have Dante Moore. Um, I think there's going to be some defensive guys to start coming along in this class, probably not another cornerback or not another defensive back in general, but um, I think it's only a matter of time until they strike gold again. Like Matt was mentioning, there's plenty of names left on the list. Um, and, then, and I think in the next couple of weeks, next month or so before the high school season starts, um, I think that's when a lot of guys theoretically should be making their commitments. Um, I know there'll be plenty on early and normal signing day as well, but um, it seems to be the trend, at least in this in the past two seasons, is that guys want to commit and be done with it before their high school season. Um, that time is is now. It's in the next month, a month span from now. So just keep your eyes peeled. We'll have all of the information over at DuckTerritory.com and should be should be a fun end of the summer. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this show. Uh, we'll be back later this week. We'll have more to discuss with Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, and more information. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Peace.